Thank you, Mr. Douglas. Yeah. Hello, you ever-increasing power people. Welcome back to Hanging with Mr. Douglas. Today, we will be hanging with Chapter 22 of Ingo Swan's Secrets of Power, Volume 1. The title of Chapter 22, Two of the Proactive Vehicles of Power, Will and Dynamism. I've got three excerpts today. They pretty much all focus on will and willpower. Dynamism is an awesome portion of the chapter, but I don't want to give all the secrets away. This, however, does a beautiful setup and elucidation of what otherwise has gotten pretty foggy when it comes to will and willpower in the modern day. We're able to blow away a bit of smoke and smash some mirrors that have been put in place. And it has been put in place. It is a kind of programming to make will and willpower harmless or not as potent, not as powerful, not nearly as active as they are. And that certainly serves the powerful in that at least some of them use will and willpower to gain and maintain their power positions. So the less people that cultivate and actualize their individual empowerment via will and willpower, well, that's less potential power players even entering onto the board, let alone just being able to actualize and do their own thing, which obviously doesn't look good for the power structure. Power structures themselves are set up to keep the powerless in that state and suppress and distract and dismiss pursuit of individual power, that real power that we've mentioned before, so as to be more easily squeezed into their slot in the structure. That structure, as it was set up, couldn't really handle too much individual willpower being slung around. That would undermine the legitimacy of the structure itself and those that laud its successful maintenance. This leads us gingerly right into our first excerpt for Chapter 22. Let me pause and we shall take a listen to Excerpt 1. So if proactive ideas regarding will and willpower begin manifesting among the subservient masses, then the contours of the power structure will inconveniently begin to undergo various kinds of stress. To the powerful, who probably have become powerful via their will and willpower, the will and willpower of others is always something to worry about. Indeed, will and willpower can easily be thought of as the top of the line of power and few can succeed without them. So, all pretenses aside, it is rather logical to assume that the powerful prefer that the others not activate their own will and willpower. So, this is just one of the many ways the scales have been tilted against individual empowerment. But this also should shine some light on the other side of this coinage. That will and willpower are extremely significant. Otherwise, there wouldn't be so much energy put into diminishing our frames of reference, our mind frames, around will and willpower. And now we're able to stroll right into excerpt two here, with a little bit of setup. Moving from old-school social class systems, 
to more egalitarian social systems, certainly provided some benefits for both the powerless as well as the powerful. Way back when, it was pretty much only the Game of Thrones style of power games, more or less. And that was just, you know, with those in those power positions. You win or you die when it comes to the Game of Thrones. And the will to power was paramount for the ruling class. For everybody else, though, we pretty much just got to stay in our lanes. Farmer, craftsman, tanner, tailor, blacksmith, alchemist. You know, all the cool professions from D&D. Now, here in the modern era, there is some wiggle room. At least on the face of it, people can empower themselves, or at least have a lot more opportunity to do so than ever before. And that, that is for sure. Thank you, the internet. But this glut of information we have in our modern society has set up a lot more intricate power structures within power structures, and that has certainly led to some sneaky ways of programming the masses' mindsets. In particular, when it comes to the idea of egalitarianism in all its forms, and how everybody deserves pretty much the same outcomes, and we would all be happy if the world was fair. Except, of course, for the powerful and those in power. Well, they obviously would still be there, right? Well, how egalitarian is that? Let's listen to excerpt two. Issues of will and willpower also complicate the egalitarian hypothesis itself. Many questions can be pondered, for example, can will and willpower be thought of as egalitarian or egalitarian making? If so, then everyone's quotient for actualizing willpower will have to equal everyone else's. This, in turn, would imply that everyone's access to power over others would also have to be equal, not just in theory, but in fact. While the powerful might pay lip service to this in theory, it is naive to think that they would tolerate any serious manifestations along such lines. Yeah, so there is no way the powerful in our current setup would want to even out the playing field. Not really. Not completely. The setup is working well for them now. So I find it interesting when anyone of any significant station of power, artificial or otherwise, comes out in support of anything resembling something egalitarian. There's a card up their sleeve that they are just waiting to play. And any kind of iteration that is being popularized or discussed or pushed from the system itself inevitably isn't actually going to be egalitarian. It is going to support, strengthen, and continue the maintenance of this power structure itself. But then how do we think best about will and willpower? Now, our modern perspective seems to diminish the potency of will and willpower. And Ingo expands our frames of reference here in our third and final excerpt. During most of the 20th century, the conventional definition of will was desire, wish, disposition, inclination, appetite, passion, choice, determination, self-control, volition. This is taken from a trusty Webster's. But this definition is nonsense if examined closely. For starters, if one thinks that desire, wish, inclination, or even choice, etc., are synonymous with will, then one might as well think that water flows uphill. 
so it is necessary to depart from this modernist claptrap and examine the original definitions. In English, three of the more basic and essential definitions first appeared at about 900 AD, the first of which is not found in contemporary dictionaries. 1. The movement or attitude of mind, which is directed with conscious intention to and which issues immediately in some action, physical or mental. 2. Volition. And 3. Intention, intent, purpose, determination. So, those modern definitions do sound nice until you start to examine them, and all of a sudden it looks pretty clear that they are spayed and neutered versions of the once active and moving definitions. Big difference between wish and disposition and the movement or attitude of mind which issues immediately in some action, physical or mental. Ingo provides a neat little thought experiment here asking, what will or volition would be if they did not encompass some kind of motional activity or energy? If will and willpower did not cause something to happen or come into existence, then it would be hard to understand the persistent and long-standing interest in them throughout history. Because usually whatever does not cause much to happen isn't all that interesting, at least not for long. This last point, I find, gets a little deeper. Ingo says that the interest in the powerful might not be because they are powerful per se, but because of their ability to cause stuff to happen. An interest in the powerless is minimal because they don't cause much to happen at all. So, and this is me here, finding cause in something would provide a place for will to pour into. Remember, we're talking about something that's already innately in us. It has been diminished, turned down, stultified, stifled, quieted up, placed in the cupboard underneath the stairs. But that, to me, is really interesting. Finding a cause would then motivate your willpower. I'd like to argue that the best place to find cause is within yourself. And that which expands your joie de vivre, your joy of life, and love of life, not in a hedonistic way, I don't mean pleasure, pleasure rolls along with it, I mean joy, I mean love, uh, you know, the deeper, resonant causes to get out of bed and do anything. And again, there is a lot of social programming around the fear of pursuing a cause that rings within you. Because you might not succeed, you have to pay the bills, money, 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 money. And I am certainly not saying that this is just an easy one, two, three. Not at all. But I am saying that willpower is in you. And finding cause will motivate your willpower to flex and grow. Yeah, finding cause might even increase your power of will, like a muscle, to cause stuff, your stuff, to happen. 
This chapter is full of insightful and sparkly mind gems. The treasures of these tomes are rich and overflowing. And if you want access to the entire chest, grab yourself a copy of the audio version of Secrets of Power Volume 1 by Ingo Swan and narrated by me. Find it on my website, mrdouglas.com, M-I-S-T-3-R-D-O-U-G-L-A-S.com. There should be a link in the description. Ooh, smash that like button, like, subscribe, dingle the bell, do all the buttons. <laughs> and absolutely visit ingoswan.com, I-N-G-O-S-W-A-N-N.com to find out more about this treasure map maker himself. And as always, thanks for hanging. It's a pleasure to be able to do this here with you. And most definitely, more power to you. 